Have you ever felt like giving up, quitting, throwing in the towel? Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. She's an author, health coach, and motivational speaker. Backed into a corner multiple times in her life, Carol shares with you stories on how she overcame some of the toughest obstacles a person can go through in life, but refused to give up hope. Rather than admit defeat, an opportunity was presented, and it involves each and every one of you. Carol will feature spectacular guests who will share their messages of hope, encouragement, and their inspiration to prove why life's adversities only make you stronger. And now, welcoming the host of the show, here's Carol Graham. Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope. Thank you for joining us today on this podcast. I am so pleased to have been able to bring you so many incredible guests on this show. Guests from all over the world and also you as listeners who are on every corner of this globe. I thank you for listening. I thank you for your comments. I thank you for your interest. And I thank my guests for their incredible stories. It is people who are ordinary, who have extraordinary things that have happened to them in their lives that they are sharing with the world to get the message out that no matter who we are or where we are, we all at some time or another need to feel that there is hope because this world, especially in this time, is in a state of hopelessness. And that is the purpose for never, ever give up hope that someone may have had an experience very similar to yours and they pulled themselves out of it and so that is the purpose is to give you coping skills and encouragement no matter where you are who you are what your background is that there is in fact hope so thank you for joining us today with me today i have cynthia simmons Cynthia is an author of three books, which includes an historical novel that I'm so excited she's going to share with us today. That is entitled Pursuing Gold. It is a story written about Chattanooga, Tennessee during the Civil War. And Cynthia is a Chattanooga native. She also hosts her own radio talk show entitled Heart of the Matter. She also writes for Leading Hearts magazine. She has served as president of the Christian Authors Guild, and she co-founded Homeschool Answers. Cynthia homeschooled all five of her children through high school. She needs a standing ovation for that alone. Welcome, Cynthia. Thank you for having me. Let's begin, Cynthia, by sharing with our audience some of the advantages to homeschooling and also some of the hurdles that you have had to overcome, especially when you homeschool right through high school. That is an incredible feat. So share that with us. Well, you know, one of the things that made me keep doing it is the fact that my kids were such gracious people, Um, regardless of where we went in a store you know, out in public, they were always very kind to people and actually offered to help people do things. You know, if they saw someone drop something, they'd go pick it up. And they were such, you know, open, great. And I I just loved it. And I thought, 
is this is working, you know, for, <laughs> for their character. But I also saw that they became scholars in they still are because I have several of my kids that now have master's degrees. One has worked on a PhD. So they, they picked up the whole joy of learning thing very quickly because we learned together. Now it was hard. And, and the hardest part I think was the fact that my fifth child was disabled, which I had to more or less learn a totally new thing after having taught five, four kids to read my fifth one. I had to learn special education. So that was a big hurdle, but you know, we all as a family came together for Caleb to encourage him, to to cheer him on and, and that sort of thing. So, you know, he's the sweetest kid ever. And even though it was very hard for me, there were times I was exhausted, I chose to persevere because I saw the character I was building into my kids far beyond just the education. The education piece I was less worried about because I knew people said that your kids always excelled in school later. They all did. They all you know, except for Caleb have college degrees and so on. But I saw that the such character and such ability to reach out to other people that I thought this is working. And so that's what my goal is for these children is to really be gracious people as well as someone who knows something who can live in the world around us. Do you think any of your children will homeschool their children? I don't know. Only one of them has a child so far, so I don't know yet. Okay. We'll see. What about grandma? I got an education while I homeschooled him. And I think for me, that was what, because I thought when I left school that I was educated, but I didn't know hardly <laughs> anything at all. So I got educated, but you know, my kids know so much now that if they chose to do it, they could do a, a great job. They probably wouldn't need me at all. So I doubt they'd call on me. <laughs> That's amazing. And what about your patience during this time? How did you, where did you get your patience from? God gave me patience, I have to admit, because there were plenty of days, especially with my youngest, when it was terribly hard, because he knew that he was different and that upset him. I think he, I think there's some intelligence in there buried. And he would scream, I'm stupid, I'm stupid, I'm stupid. And he would throw himself on the floor and the blood curdling screams. And I would think, I don't really want to do this. And so I prayed a lot. And that kind of gave me the ability to keep going a little bit at a time. And each inch of the road was bathed in prayer because I couldn't do it. I, I couldn't. It was only God that helped me through that. And he's an incredible kid, too. And if there's ever anybody that gets in his radar that is discouraged, he will cheer you up. He's the most gracious kid ever. You instilled, which is what you're saying, one of the advantages of homeschooling is not just the the education part, but it's also all the other factors that, yes. that are around that. One of the things I know that sometimes people people feel about homeschooling is that they are not social beings, but you have proven that that is not true and was that an issue when when you were going through it though that they were maybe not socializing enough with outside kids well with just the seven of us we were socializing pretty well (laughs) that's what I was thinking (laughs) yeah so yeah they got socialized also regarding hopelessness which some people would feel that homeschooling would be hopeless at some point but anyway aside from that uh, you have an understanding of feeling hopeless when your husband was very ill and I believe that went for four years can you share a little bit about that story and how you coped and um, what did you learn during this crisis yeah that was the crisis that started in 2008 my husband 
I was about to go to my aerobic class, so I was dressed in my workout clothes, and my husband had been a little sick. He'd been having a headache and just a temperature for several days, and we'd been watching him, but we didn't see anything hugely significant. I was sitting on the couch talking to him, and all of a sudden, he began to have a grand mal seizure, and he slid into the floor of my living room. And I had the strangest thought, you know, because my disabled son had had grand mal seizures, and I was thinking, this is the wrong it's not supposed to be you. It's supposed to be Caleb. This is not happening. Um, and, of course, he weighs more than I do. So I ran upstairs and got my oldest son, and we were able to roll him on his side so that he wouldn't swallow his tongue and all that kind of stuff until the seizure was over. Uh-huh. But then I kept saying to myself, this just can't be. You know, this isn't happening. And I kept thinking, what could it possibly be? Has he got the flu? What's going on? Uh, because my little nurse's mind was, you know, chugging really fast. I never dreamed that my husband had an infected brain. Which is oh, what he my had. Word. So we got to the hospital, and fortunately, the Lord directed me to the hospital that where my doctor works, and it was a, an excellent hospital. And by the end of the day, they had not only located the the bacteria or the virus, but they had diagnosed him correctly, so they could start immediately because he had it for seven days already. Because we just thought it was a case of the flu, and it was a mild case of the flu. But when they found the bacteria, not the bacteria, but the pus and everything in his spinal fluid, they realized he was seriously ill. He was in the hospital for 11 days and basically unconscious during that time. That was the scariest time in no my life. No um, wow. I was. He was in an intensive, an intermediate intensive care, so I could stay with him. They wanted someone with him all the time because he could have seizures anytime, and they didn't want him to have any more. And at the same time. That this all happened, my mother had a very bad fall. She lived in Chattanooga. She had a very bad fall and broke her hip. And so I began receiving all these calls from my father, and my kids were kind of shielding me for a while. But then by the time I got home with him, he was still very seriously ill. I was getting these phone calls, and finally a nurse called me and said, Your mother is also ill. What are you going to do with her? Where do you want her taken? And I said, uh, where's dad? No kidding. <laughs> but, be- but because I was a registered nurse, dad wanted me to manage her care. Well, I couldn't because at that point I couldn't leave Ray. He had an a, a IV and a major vein and <clears throat> I was giving him medicine around the clock and I was going to have to do that for the, a full month so that he would um, never get this virus again because it could kill him. So I couldn't be there. So we had talked about what mom and dad were going to do because they were getting on into being aged and that sort of thing. And there was a law firm that was, you know, set between Georgia and Tennessee. They lived in Tennessee. I was in Georgia. And I hired them to help me to get through this rough time. So what happened was they became my go-between. I would, you know, handle things by phone with mom when when my husband was not needing me. So, you know, that lasted for about four months. And then by the time mother died, Ray was well enough that we were able to go to her funeral. So, I mean, this was the life. Four, five years, I had one disaster after another. Uh. The whole underlying thing was my husband was getting well the entire time. It takes six months for the brain to heal after an injury like that. And, of course, he'd had seizures. So then he was having odd seizures as they adjusted his medication. And because he had a head injury, he was more upset more easily. He couldn't function as well. He couldn't drive a car. So I was responsible for taking care of him. But other things were falling apart in the family. For instance, my mother died. My father wanted me to plan the funeral, um, look after things. Then he wanted me to do this and that. And I'm trying to watch after my husband at the same time. 
So I had a series of events. It wasn't just my husband. It was everybody else in the family. Um, I had, we had a, a, the basement flooded. We had some bad rain, <laughs> basement flooded. I lost, we lost basically everything in the lower part of our house. Then my son had an accident in karate and had to go into the hospital and have surgery. Um, and it was just continual. And uh, underlying everything that was going on, I was still caring for my husband because he was still all over the place emotionally. And I was trying to kind of be, a, you know, kind of hang on to him so he wouldn't do something nutty. Because, it, frankly, at that point, he could have done something nutty mm -hmm. because he was emotionally viable. So um, everything from, you know surgery to a, a serious illness my son also became ill with and burst his appendix before we realized it so then I went flying down to, to try to manage that so I mean I had all kinds of things starting to pop loose at the same time after my mother's death and we I had to uh my dad began to get ill and he began to call me wanting stuff and so I began to realize you know, he was going to have to have some care, too. So I got people in Chattanooga with his church to help me with him until I could move him down here to a home. And then I had to empty his house. And so, again, I was taking care of my husband and, you know, leaving at times with friends from church to go empty the house so that I could rent it to kind of pay for his care. So, I mean, I'm serious. This lasted four and a half to five years before my husband actually stabilized and things settled down. It was a time of total chaos it was so much stuff was coming at me that I could hardly think sometimes because everybody needed something and I was holding everything mm. down and you know it was during that time I would say these quick prayers I would go God help you know mm -hmm. and um in the the I could started to see the hand of God at one point I was going wait a minute okay I'm crying out for help where are you, God? But then I began to see the hand of God as I began to realize people started coming to me and saying, I have been thinking about you and praying for you. How can I help you? And I was going, but I didn't ask. So I began wow. to see the hand of God. He was sending people to me in hard situations. I would go through an impossible situation and someone would tell me, I was praying for you this morning. And I would say, Really? You have no idea what I was going through. Because I didn't tell anybody. So I really believe that what happened was I had God right beside me. My friends from church, even though many of them did not always know the whole story, they were right there. They were praying with me, and I felt lifted up. I made it. We all made it. We're all alive. You know, I, I did lose both of my parents shortly after my, it was in the, the, that five-year period. Um, but my husband is now well. My family's well. And it's it's totally different. But, I mean, it was a hard time. Um, I started going to a counselor during that time because I was having a hard time just coping. Uh, and she said, yeah, just emptying your childhood home of 50 years, you know, that you grew up in is enough to, to send you off you know, the deep end, but so sitting with your husband's illness and all the other family things that are going on. So I really did struggle, but there was help there and it was from God and he's the one that got me through. It was very rare. And the interesting thing about it is that um, my husband is a brilliant man. Nothing could happen to them that was any more degrading for him to have an infection of his brain. 
And they did find the particular agent. It is. It was a virus. They did have a drug for that virus, and that is why they kept him on medication after he came home. He had a lifetime dose so that he could never get that virus again. So, yes, this was very unusual. Uh, My husband could be a vegetable at this point, as sick as he was. But people all over the nation prayed for him, and he has returned to his job managing money. The only thing he struggles with is that he does not know names. He struggles with names. But because he is very intelligent, he has learned to cope with that. But, yes, neurologically, it was so serious that most people that suffer with this would be a vegetable. He is in the top 3% of people who have this disease. Amazing. The different things that you were mentioning, and I'm sure that people that are listening are relating to that as well, is the stress that went around that, that went along with Mm -hmm. that. The stress of not knowing what was going to happen, the stress of being able to cope, the stress of not being able to take care of yourself, the stress of not knowing, you know, what was going to happen with your husband or your son. Everything, you know, falling on your shoulders, which is very common scenario with women and mothers it seems like they're the facilitators they're the ones that always have to pick up all the pieces so with all that stress looking back now with hindsight and I mean that wasn't that many years ago that's only like five or so uh, years Mm -mm. ago when you look back do you now realize that through all that stress you actually became stronger and that second part of that question would be that you are not now able to help those who may be going through something similar. Oh, absolutely. And I also learned how to communicate in a way that is very straightforward and healthy. And in the past, I did not know that. My husband was a very healthy person. And when I had unhealthy communication, he'd help me out. I was forced to learn how to communicate because he couldn't. Because he was off in la-la land. And I learned so much about myself and how to get along with people and how to connect with people. I didn't know that before. I'd go to my counselor and go, here's what happened. Let's talk through it. And it was like, okay, Lord, what are you doing? I came to understand that he had something to teach me. And it was important that I face it because my husband was out of commission and I couldn't rely on him. And so absolutely, yes, I'd be able to help someone who was in a similar situation. I sure could. Isn't that amazing how things turn around and then even in that, that brings you joy that you never would have experienced if you had not gone through that. So that is a a wonderful lesson for all of us who have gone through, you know, extraordinary and extreme circumstances. So let's switch gears here now and tell us about your book. This is very interesting. Tell us, first of all, the name, how you came up with the idea, um, how it relates to people that you actually know, anything that you could share with us about that. I grew up in Chattanooga around um, the Civil War because we there were major battles fought around Chattanooga. And so all of these cannons in the parks and so on, I just assumed everybody had cannons in their parks and, <laughs> and, and climbed on the on the stuff. You know, I didn't know people didn't. And my dad became kind of an expert on the weaponry of the Civil War. And so to me, it was just something that happened in the past that I knew all about. Well, I married Ray, of course, and he was into finance. So I began to question what the finances of, of the Confederacy might have been. Well, not many people ask questions about Confederate banking, but I found out that most of the banks failed. The only ones that survived were the ones that stayed on the gold standard. What happened was that most banks gave their money to um, the Confederacy, and of course, when it fell, they had nothing to spend. 
So I decided how fun it would be to have a bank in my hometown, since I knew so much about it, that would be on, that would stay on the gold standard, but have some some bad person counterfeit money against the bank so that when they brought in the bill and put it down, they would say, give me your gold. And the only way that bank could survive would be to pursue more gold so that they had money in the bank if they absolutely had to have it. And so that whole idea of pursuing gold for the bank was an analogy of how to deal with heartache like I had been through. I had to pursue God to be able to overcome all the stuff I faced, and this bank could overcome if it kept gold in the bank. So that became the name of the book. Pursuing gold. Tell us, is that the whole story or is there, is it a suspense type story? Is, um, the, are, what are the characters? It's a mystery story about they're trying to figure out who counterfeited the money. Now, because I know Chattanooga history, I made it very, very accurate to what it was like in the war. And one of the major people in the story is a man who actually lived. He's Mr. McCauley. He was pastor of a church there in the area. And there was a mayor and the town doctor is also a real man. And I tried to fashion them as they actually would have been in the story. So you get a little bit of history in there, too, and accurate history, because I'm talking about Civil War banking, which I discovered, you know, as I researched that it was very accurate. Very interesting. Now, who would like your book? Like, who, do, who, who buys it? What kind of feedback do you have? Who would enjoy your book? Anybody who likes historical fiction, um, and I've had some great reviews on Amazon. I've got a lot of five-star reviews on Amazon. People just really love it. They say they can't put it down because it's so um, compelling. And in the book, I do have one of the main characters struggling with the death of her father. So I have someone at the same time as she's trying to solve the bank problem. She's dealing with her own grief like I had to deal with my own grief. So, you know, you can also learn something about God while you're reading the book. And now I understand, too, that you're you're a speaker, correct? Yes. And do you not play out some of the characters in your book when you speak? Yes. And in fact, um, I, I'm just now finished a book on Susanna Spurgeon, who was the wife of Charles Hedden Spurgeon. And when the book comes out, I will do impersonations of Susanna. I'm working on the British accent. I also now do impersonations of Katie Luther. Um, and I'm also going to be writing about her. But people love when I do Katie Luther. I get lots and lots of laughs. And I do that when I go to conferences for uh, homeschoolers. I dress up as Katie and, and show how the costume of God is very authentic and so on. Okay, I want to hear your English accent. When you are speaking in British, you have to have a very long uh, feeling in the back of one's throat so that you can actually sound very British. It does sound very different. They they will say, I will see you at 7.30. Now, you are available for speaking engagements as well, or is this strictly what you just do in your local area? I actually love to speak to women's groups um, on all sorts of topics of concern to women, um, you know, how to how to understand your husband, um, how to, you know, be an, an excellent mom, um, all kinds of topics. And homeschoolers, too. I talk to them about how to teach your kids to think and so on and how to stay organized. I, I really have a heart for the younger woman who is out there trying to raise her child by God's, by God's word. The- Homeschool Answers, is that a local or is that a a national program? 
That me and my friend have offered to give one day seminars to homeschoolers on just any topic that they need, and we do try to go out and speak to homeschoolers too. So um, it's just me and her working together to uh, reach out to homeschoolers. And when you say reaching out to homeschoolers, are those uh, the parents and the children? Well, yes, except that with this last book, I've actually done something now that I planned for homeschool kids because I planned, I did a, a seminar called The History of Money, and I walked through the history of money because of, you know, landing there in the Civil War and explaining how money changed in the Civil War. So, and it was a very interactive time. We had, you could make um, um, coins with, that were uh, gold, and you could color the dollars uh the dollars at the time in the civil war because every bank printed their own they were all Uh. a different shape so i had that we could also have a picture made with the you know dress up like a banker and have your picture made with the picture of the book and stuff so it was a very interactive time as well as kind of the history in there too plus i had some um authentic dollar bills from that time period so you could look at them you strike me as a woman of passion which is coming out in your voice in particular what is your passion You know, my passion is to share with other women the grace of God because he is one incredible God. I've just, I've come to know him personally and his grace is beyond anything you can even begin to imagine. People that don't know God picture him as someone who is hard and cold, but he is not. He is full of mercy and he wants to draw you close to to himself and to forgive you and to love you like you've never been loved before. And what about a mantra? Do you have something that that really means a great deal to you that you share? Yes, I am offering women the elegance of God's wisdom because I believe God's wisdom is really elegant. It's beautiful. Explain that. You know, if we understand who God is and we act as if we know him because we we sit to know his love for us, we're going to treat other people like they are kings and queens because everybody is someone whom Jesus died for. And so that means you love everybody you meet, whether it's everybody, it's someone that God made and that he loves with all of his heart. Thank you. Along that same line, is this what inspired you to start your radio show and, and share with us about that? And what I'm trying to do with that is I'm reaching out to women who just need to get a little bit deeper in their faith and to think a little bit more deeply about life. And I I cover all kinds of topics that women would care about, um, getting along with people, loving people, understanding who God is, because that makes our life better. The closer we get to God, the better our life is going to be. Not only do I believe because there's objective reality in Christianity, I believe in Christ because he's real and he is alive. And because Christianity is true, but because I have seen how he has worked in my life and how he delights me with the very thing I would have wanted. Your audience for your radio show, who would enjoy listening to it? Well, I pitch it to women in the church, but I've had lots of men listen as well, especially when I talk about marriage issues and I interview men and women about the differences in male and female. So, but particularly it's meant for women who are in the church. And is this something that can be accessed online, or is this strictly local? Yes, it is online, and you can listen on Thursdays at www.clsimmons.com. I stream every Thursday at 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time, but if you miss it, you can also go to my archive, which is on my website. It's also on SoundCloud, which connects with TuneIn, iTunes, TuneUp, so it's all over the Internet. Well, Cynthia, this has been very encouraging, inspiring, motivating. 
because you, you've touched all the bases. You, you've helped us to understand that there is nothing that you, as a human, can overcome when you have God on your side. That's and right. And no matter what comes our way, even if it all comes at the same time, God gives you the coping mechanisms that you need in order to combat any any negativity in your life. And the exciting part about that is that you come out ahead. Yes. And you also can help others because of what you have gone through. Yes. And so that too, it's reciprocal, isn't it? It brings you mm. more strength back knowing mm. that your trauma as actually could help somebody else through their crisis. Now, are you available at all online if people want to contact you? Is there? Yes, you okay. can contact me. There's a contact page on there, or you can send me an email at CynthiaLSimmons at gmail.com. Thank you, Cynthia, for what you shared. Now, the book is available on Amazon, I'm sure. Those links will be there. Any place else available on your website as well? Yes, it is. So anybody who is interested in history, and Mm -hmm. in particular Southern history, Mm -hmm. and a good novel, a good story, would would certainly benefit and enjoy it. And also Mm -hmm. your radio radio show appealing to women who want to live the elegant life in Mm -hmm. God's way. Is my correct? Okay, very good. All right, thank you again, Cynthia. It has been awesome having you, and we will hopefully talk to you again. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. Did you know that most people succeed because they are determined to? Quitting was never an option. Carol loves your comments and will respond to each one. So please subscribe and review this podcast. A rating of five stars would be outstanding and appreciated. Remember, if you are still here, there is always hope.